John's third letter. We uh, like to go verse by verse uh, as we go through the, uh, the Bible because uh, how many know there's some things in there that are hard to understand? And we, we need, you know, just can't just, okay, well, we don't know that, so we'll just uh, leave it alone. But sometimes it's worth it to look into uh, things that might be hard to understand. We don't want to be, well, I guess we could be like uh, Mark Twain. He's uh, quoted as saying, it's not the things in the Bible I don't understand that bother me, it's the things that I do understand that bother me, like, like uh, the wages of sin is death, you know? <laughs> That one bugged me for years until I finally got the rest of it. But, well, however, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Thank God. Can you say amen? God is good. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, let me speak as the oracles of God this morning, God. Thank you for your words, God. Thank you for your power, God. I believe you, God, for great and mighty things. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. <clears throat> According to the uh, Holman Christian Standard Bible, John's third letter is the shortest book in the New Testament. In the original Greek, there's only 13 verses and only 219 words. Uh, but in the English, there's a few more because, you know, you've got to get all the nuances and everything like that. So it's a personal letter to someone named Gaius. And uh, so I looked up, you know, Gaius. It begins by saying, the elder, the presbyter, the big boss, the chief. He's the apostle, believes that this is, uh, most Bible scholars believe this is John, of course. And he writes to the beloved Gaius. And it's interesting that he uses that word beloved because it's significant. A lot of times, John writes and uses that word beloved, or he used the word children. But he uses this word because he's expressing that this man that he's writing this letter to is his very dear friend, as the uh, Phillips translation says. According to Jameson Fawcett and Brown's commentary, his, what he's saying is, this is personal. This is from me on my part, I love this person, Gaius. That's what we're called to do, is called to love one another. Amen. What's really interesting to me, and uh, you'll see this also in the, uh, uh, later on uh, this morning, that he considers him his friend. The, uh, I believe it's the Quakers call themselves the friends. So it's good to have friends. Can you say Amen. <laughs> All right, and in order to have friends, you yourselves, or we ourselves, should be friendly. Anyway, so there's four people named Gaius in the New Testament. We find one in Acts chapter 19, verse 29. Um, Alexander, or not Alexander, there's a man named Demetrius, who's the chief of the uh, idol makers there. They make little silver statues of uh, Diana of Ephesus, this whole uh, cult, and uh, he starts a riot there in Ephesus. Ephesus, we know, is on the shore, more or less, of uh, southwest Turkey. Um, it's still there. The uh, Romans had an outpost there, um, and they uh, had the uh, arena or the amphitheater where if you were on the city, 
uh, board or whatever, or if you were a citizen and you were called to the meeting, everybody had to go to the amphitheater. And if you didn't show up, you had to have a really good reason why. So anyway, these, uh, uh, these guys, uh, the, the guild of uh, silversmiths who make these little statues, uh, are mad because Paul the Apostle has come preaching that these little statues are not real gods. Stop worshiping them. Worship the real God. And so uh, what happens is people are getting saved and they stop buying these little statues and, and the, the, uh, the guild's income has been affected. So they're very upset. There goes all our profit. There goes all our money. So they have a riot. And they grab two people, and one of them is Gaius. His name, Gaius. And the mob seizes them, and they bring him to the amphitheater, and they have a big riot, and they get in a lot of trouble because it's unauthorized. But this particular Gaius is a Macedonian man, and he's one of Paul's traveling companions. Macedonia is north of Greece. I'm not sure how they became... Uh, uh, companions, but it goes on to say that Paul tries to go into the theater and they said, don't go in there because they're probably going to try to kill you. Anyway, everything settles down. And in Acts chapter 20, verse 4, there's another man named Gaius uh, who accompanies Paul as he heads back uh, east. And uh, he is named Gaius of Derby. Now, the city of Derby is in southeast Turkey, so this is probably not the same Gaius. There's another man named Gaius. And then uh, in Romans chapter 16, verse 23, Paul's ending the letter, and he's saying, he says that uh, they're there in Corinth. He's written the letter to the Romans. He's in the city of Corinth. There's another man named Gaius, and Paul calls him my host and the host of the whole church there in Corinth greets you, whoever the letter is sent to. And in verse 1, or verse 4, verse 14, excuse me, of chapter 1 of the first letter to the Corinthians, Paul says, I baptized only two people. One of them is this Gaius in Corinth, who's the host of the whole church. So this was a big shot. But this Gaius simply means, seems to be a member of, of the church that this letter was written to. By the way, this is the only New Testament book where there's no mention of Jesus Christ or the Holy Spirit. It's very interesting because this is just a personal letter, like a letter of recommendation. And he tells him that, he says, to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. I mean, I know you can love in falsehood. There's this thing around, you know, in society says, you know, love is okay. As long as you love, it's all right. Well, no, you have to love in truth in order to be right with God. Can you say amen? So, um, this word truth, we see, is one of the main themes of this letter. And interestingly, Paul or John says that six times he uses this word the truth, or in truth, in this letter. And this is an indirect reference to the gospel message of salvation in Jesus Christ alone. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through Jesus. There's no other way to have a right relationship with God because that's the only relationship 
with God that was initiated on God's part. All other attempted relationships with God are mankind and people trying to reach God on their own. But God reached down and, and sent his son so that we can have a relationship with God. Because what separates people from God is sin. And the only way to get rid of sin is through a sacrifice. And the only perfect sacrifice that there ever is or ever will be is the unquestionably successful sacrifice of Jesus Christ proven by an empty tomb and eyewitness accounts of Jesus going back to heaven with the promise that he's coming back in power. Can you say amen? Praise God. Glory to God. He goes on and he says, Beloved. There's that word again. Beloved. I pray. In the old King James, it says, I wish. It's not just wishful thinking, but it's praying to a God who hears and answers. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. That's the God we serve. He says, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Now, in the old King James, it says, I pray above all things that you would be in health and prosper. It doesn't mean that that's the most important thing. Can you say amen? The most important thing is that your soul prospers. Hallelujah. That's the most important thing. It did, according to Jameson Fawcett and Brown's commentary, the word prosper there, he's uh, talking about his whole life, that he would prosper in general, but he's saying specifically, I hope that you're healthy also. It could be that this Gaius may have had a medical issue, and so uh, John writes, or the author writes and says, you know, this is a good thing for you. This word prosper from Strong's Concordance means to succeed in reaching your destiny. It means to succeed in reaching your destiny. Hallelujah, we have a destiny here on earth and we also have a destiny in eternity. Can you say amen? And it means and to prosper means to succeed in that destiny. Every single one of us has a specific and unique destiny destiny in the kingdom of God and it's up to us to find it and, and fulfill that destiny. Can you say amen? But what's also interesting is that this journey he goes on in the uh, in letter that he's also talking about helping others prosper and succeed in their journey. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I wish. I pray above all things. Hallelujah. Lord of God. This expresses the apostle's good opinion of Gaius, that his soul is getting along well. And the greatest blessing on this side of eternity is that his soul, or our soul, is getting along well, according to Matthew Henry. What a blessing. The greatest blessing on this side of eternity is to know that we're in the will of God, to know that our soul is prospering, to know that we are succeeding in reaching our destination. Because on the other side of eternity, we're already there. Hallelujah. I rejoiced greatly, he says, when the brethren or the friends came and testified of the truth. There's our word again. That is in you just as you walk in the truth. There's our word again. And I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. There's our word again. Truth, 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 truth. Hallelujah. 
Glory to God. There's a, 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 a scripture in the book of Psalms. Mercy and truth have met at the gate. The gate in the old days was like the city council or where you came to get legal advice. Mercy and truth have met at the gate. Glory to God. Well, that's where you come for advice. You come to Jesus. You come to the Word of God. You come to the pastor. And you look to uh, get to clear direction for that journey. Brethren came. What he's saying is that these brethren came. Where did they came? They came from meeting Gaius back to the home church where they had been sent out of, by uh, probably by John. These were um, missionaries. And they came and they gave a report. Just like we had a report from Pastor Jack this morning. They gave a report. Hallelujah. And they testified, or they gave witness. Uh, the brothers arrived and spoke highly, so highly of the sincerity of your life. In the Phillips translation, Matthew Henry writes, A good report is due from those who have received good. If something good has happened in your life, you should tell other people, God has been so good to me. He set me free. He set me on a different path. The other day I was thinking, you know, um, I work with a, a younger guy. He's all excited about this, that, and the other thing. He came in a couple of weeks ago. Wow, check this out. We made the news. <laughs> a bunch of motorcyclists got together and rode all over town and it was a big deal, and that's what he does for fun. And I was thinking, hmm, what do I do for fun? And I thought, what do I do for fun? I worship God. That's what I do for fun. Hallelujah. Nothing better that I can think of in life and worshiping God and experiencing his presence. That's fun. Can you say amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. And so John writes, he says, nothing. I have no greater joy and uh, <clears throat> The Phillips translation translates this this way. Nothing brings me greater joy nowadays, because he's almost 100 years old right there. Nothing brings me greater joy nowadays than hearing that my children are living in the truth. And he uses the word my children because he has uh, the sense of responsibility that the people in the church under his authority that God has given him are his responsibility. They're the members of the church. Praise God. That's why you're supposed to pray for your pastors because we have a tremendous responsibility for your souls before God. Hallelujah. The brothers arrived and spoke so highly of the sincerity of your life. And what was it that he was doing? Beloved, you do faithfully whatever you do for the brethren, the friends, and especially, it says in one version, for strangers who have borne witness of your love before the church. If you send them forward on their journey in a matter worthy of God, you will do well. This is what he did that was so wonderful, that made such an impression that he was... Uh, blessing these missionaries. He'd never seen them before. But in those days when they sent them out, they, they didn't have cell phones. They didn't have anything. They had mail, but normally when an uh, individual went out or was sent out from a church, they would come with a letter of recommendation. So even though you may never have met these evangelists or these missionaries before, they would arrive with a letter of recommendation. So even if you'd never met them before, you'd welcome into the church 
Praise God. That's why we don't have too many guest speakers because, you know, like it would be like Pastor Larry at the, at the 22nd Street Church, the home church. He's the president of Praise Chapel Christian Fellowship. If he called Pastor Wayne and said, hey, I have a minister, I have an evangelist, I have a, a guy who uh, I believe would be a blessing to your church. Can he come and speak at your church and, and touch your people? And uh, Pastor Wayne would say, well, I've never met him before. And Pastor Larry would say, well, I recommend him. This is the scenario. This is the situation. And so Gaius said, sure, come on in. And he lavished whatever he could on these people. This is just like us giving whatever we can here to send over to Pastor Jack. Our U.S. dollars go a long way in other countries. You give $20, uh, $50, or $100, it's like giving $1,000 over there. I'm not sure what the exchange rate is. But what a blessing to be part of something so awesome. Remember, Jesus was a little kid, and he was in Egypt at one time. And to fulfill prophecy, he went there. God directed everything. And there's even... Uh, um, I think it's a big church where they believe Jesus and his family lived when he was a little boy over there in Egypt. Hallelujah. The brethren were giving a report on their journey, and they mentioned Gaius's hospitality. Glory to God. Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown's comment on that is the reason they happened to mention this hospitality was to stimulate other people by a good example. You don't have to tell everybody what you do. But if someone else knows what you did and they tell other people, you can rest assured that's a good example to follow. Can you say amen? They bore witness of your love before the home church. Glory to God. The word prosper means also here to help on the road. So Gaius prospers so he can help these people, help them forward, send them forward on their journey in a manner Worthy of God, you will do well. What's a man worthy of God? These evangelists, these missionaries, were ambassadors for Christ, just as you and I are ambassadors for Christ. Wherever we go, we represent the kingdom of God. But you know, an ambassador, you don't say the ambassador from the United States to uh, uh, whatever country. They don't uh, dress him in rags and say, okay, get on your way. Go represent us. No, this is a dignified office. This carries great dignity. This ambassador represents the whole nation, just as you and I represent the whole kingdom of God with dignity. We may not look like much, but on the inside, God sees. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Praise God, warts and all. But God says, that's my boy, that's my girl, that's my ambassador. And you do well when we give to missions. And, uh, and, and our missions that we give is not the only ones that's going on. There's missions going on all over the world. Man, I got, um, uh, had a map. I, I haven't put it back up on my wall yet because I'm still working on my house. But I had a map of the United, of the whole world, and it had different organizations like Ten different organizations for every day of the month that were doing missionary work all over the world. Glory to God. There's a lot going on in the kingdom of heaven. Can you say amen? Just because it's not in the front page news. Amen. Hallelujah. Stimulate others by a good example. <clears throat> they went forth for his name's sake. 
Whose name's sake? The name of Jesus, King of kings, Lord of lords, mighty conqueror, saving God. Hallelujah. They went forth, taking nothing from the Gentiles. This is Paul's example. Over there in, uh, in Corinth and Thessalonica, he gave the gospel free of charge. He went there and he worked as a tent maker. So he had some money to live on and he preached the gospel free of charge. And this is what he's, he's uh, John's saying here, that these guys went out free of charge to the Gentiles. That's what their mission was. This was a, a Jewish church mainly, but they were going and sending out missionaries and they were reaching the Gentiles free of charge. Freely you gave, freely you received, freely give. Can you say amen? We ought to receive. We ought to receive such men that we may become fellow workers for the truth. This word receive literally means to support financially. When we give, we are becoming fellow workers with the truth. It's just as good as if you and I went to Egypt to hand out the food and pray for people. Amen? That's what's happening. That's just as good as when um, Pastor Jack is over there in Iraq. And they're, 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 what a blessing. The government, the governor gave them a piece of land so they could build a church and a clinic and, and be a blessing to people. Praise God. And when we give, it's just as though we're there building houses and doing whatever. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, it's all right to get excited about the things of God. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. Let's go on. Paul, and then John says, I wrote to the church, however, or but, Diotrephes. Thank God we don't have anybody in the church like this. <laughs> Diotrephes, who loves to have the preeminence among them, does not receive us. Who is this guy? Why wasn't he kicked out of the church? He loves the preeminence. He's proud. He's ambitious. Pride goes before a fall. He's ambitious, but he's self-ambitious. He's not ambitious for the kingdom of God and blessing other people. He loves to have the preeminence. Or in other words, he doesn't recognize John's authority. He's malicious. He's malicious. He's a nasty guy. And what's he doing in the church? And he's exclusive because he's, he prevents these missionaries from coming into the church. It goes on to say that he forbids those who want to receive and support the brethren. And then he even puts those people out of the church. What a nerve of this guy. He's inhospitable. He's despotic and he's rebellious. But you know what? God still loves him. Hopefully he'll repent. Hopefully he'll change. So John says, wants to put them out of the church. He, uh, uh, John says, if I come, hopefully when he comes, I'll call to mind his deeds which he does, prating against us with malicious words. Praise God as a leader. He refuses to do the duty. It's his duty as a leader to welcome these traveling missionaries. And he's refusing his duty. Maybe, uh, maybe he needs a slap upside the head. Who knows? <laughs> but he slanders. He spreads false charges against John and his fellow workers. On the other hand, he says, Beloved, there's that word again, Beloved, do not imitate 
people like this. What is evil, but what is good? Imitate what is good. Paul says, be ye imitators of me as I am imitators of Christ. Diotrephes, <clears throat> to be a follower, to imitate. This word imitate literally means to be a follower. And it means to continually follow. It means to mimic. I remember my first pastor, he had a funny walk. He kind of walked like this. And one day I noticed, man, I'm walking like my pastor. <laughs> well, I guess that's okay. <laughs> but it was even better to mimic his preaching and to mimic his reaching out to people to try and win them to Jesus. First Peter chapter 3, verse 13 says, And who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? Remember the fruits of the Spirit, love, peace, joy. Against such things there is no law. It's not against the law to love people. It's not against the law to have peace. It's not against the law to be meek. It's not against the law to have self-control. How many know we need self-control? Can you say amen? A lot of us found a a dog training book. It's called Scaredy Dog. (laughs) Since uh, July 4th, I have a friend who's got a hunting dog. He takes him out hunting, shoots the dog, go gets the bird. Well, since July 4th, when all the fireworks were going on, now the dog's scared. What it is, the dog's reacting like, oh my goodness, somebody's going to harm me. If I can get the dog under control... There's a picture in the book of these two people. They've got two dogs and they're at each other. And down the streets, a lady's standing there talking to her dog. The dog's looking up nice and sitting down. Self-control. That's what we need is self-control. Against such, there is no law. Praise God. He who does good is of God, literally is born of God. Does that mean everybody that does good things is born of God? I don't think so. Some bad people do good things, but people who continually do good things because faith without works is dead, we do think good things because we believe in Jesus and we, we're motivated, so to speak, by uh, becoming followers of what is good. I pray that every single one of us, everyone listening, would have this prayer in their heart and in their mind, God, lead me. God, give me a sensitivity to the leading of your Holy Spirit. We need that. Can you say amen? There's so much distraction in life that we need a sensitivity to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Because the whole purpose of life is to glorify God. The whole purpose of life is to glorify God. That God gets the credit. That God and Jesus get glorified and magnified. I love it when I see you go through the magazine stand and there's Jesus on the cover of a magazine again. Praise God, Jesus is in the news getting people to think about him again. Who is this Jesus? Is he a a, a fake? No. He's real and he'll reveal himself to whoever wants that. Hallelujah. I love the book I read about a young man. He's, the name of the book is Seeking Allah and Finding Jesus. And one of the things he had a hard time with is the Trinity. And he was studying chemistry. And in, as studying chemistry, I don't know how to explain it completely, but there's a, a certain condition of 
of chemicals. I don't know how to explain it exactly, but it can be in three different states at the same time. And that's one of the things that helped him. The other thing that helped him was his roommate at college was a real genuine born-again Christian and gave him a good example. Hallelujah. Finding Jesus. Glory to God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. This does not mean that people actually see God. Moses is probably the only person who actually got to see God, and he didn't even get to see all of God. All he saw was God's back. It literally means, it means to spiritually see God, to become aware of God's presence, to have an experience, an encounter with God. <clears throat> Whoever does evil does not know God at all. And then there's a contrast of person. Here's, here's another guy. However, we, we already heard about uh, Diotrephes. Here's another guy, Demetrius. He has a good testimony from everyone and from the truth. There's that word again, itself. And we also bear witness, and you know that our testimony is true. I like how um, the Phillips translation says, everyone has a good word to say uh, for Demetrius, and the very truth speaks well of him. These people are giving true reports. Yeah, this guy, he's not bragging about himself. Other people are bragging about him. And the truth of and what they say speaks well of him. He has our warm recommendation also. I like the confidence of John here. You know that you can trust what we say about anyone. You know in life there's people who spread rumors about people. But thank God, and hopefully that doesn't, <clears throat> pertain to any of us, but that we, when we say something about somebody, hopefully we can look for the good in them and not the bad, but people can trust what we say. Can you say amen? That's a good thing. Praise God. Now, since this is such a short letter, this is probably going to be a short sermon. Praise God. You know that our testimony is true. He lives up to the standard of gospel truth, and he walks in truth. And the evidence is that Demetrius also welcomes these people in, welcomes the, um, uh, the traveling missionaries, and he also expresses hospitality. And uh, I believe it's in Hebrews it says that we're supposed to, um, you know, be hospitable, entertain people, because you never know how does it go. You may entertain angels unaware. Praise God. One time one guy says to me, oh, I'd like to see an angel one of these days. I said, really? You should read the Bible. What happens when people see angels? They get scared half to death. <laughs> I don't know about you. I want to see Jesus. I don't want to see an angel. Here's, here's Balaam. He's on his donkey. And, uh, excuse me, <laughs> uh, the donkey stops because there's an angel and Balaam can't see it. So he hits the donkey, the donkey starts going again and crushes him against the wall. Hey, stupid donkey! What did you stop for? And the donkey turns and says, didn't you see the angel? And instead of saying, oh my God, my donkey talked to me. He goes, <laughs> he gets mad at the donkey. Finally, God opens his eyes and he sees the angel with the sword out and he's going to kill him. And instead, you know the rest of the story, he goes on his way and he prophesies good things about Israel. Hallelujah. And then, the 
farewell greetings. I had many things to write. How many have ever been, you had a conversation with somebody and you leave and you go your way and you think, man, there was a lot more I wanted to say. Anybody ever do that? Ah, I wanted more. I should have said this to that person. Here's the same thing in in John's second letter, verse 12. He says the same thing. I got a lot more things I want to say, but I don't want to write it to you with pen and ink. I want to come and have a face-to-face conversation with you because you're my friend, because I love you and I care about you, and I know that you love me back. Praise God. Don't want to just write it down. Sometimes it is a good thing to write it down because you can edit it, you know, and you don't, (laughs) when you're speaking, sometimes just blurt stuff out that probably shouldn't come out. But when you write it down, it's not a bad thing because you can write the letter and then if you don't like it, you can throw it away and write another letter. Praise God. Isn't that a good thing? Amen. I hope to see you shortly. We shall speak face to face. Our friends. First he says, we shall speak face to face. Peace to you. This is a unique thing in this letter because this is a Greek area of the uh, church. This is written in Greek, first of all. And this uh, Demetrius and Diotrephes, these are Greek uh, names. And this is a Jewish blessing. Peace to you. Shalom. But he writes it in Greek, of course. Praise God. Peace to you. Our friends greet you. Here's that word, our friends, our brethren. There's even a, a, I know I mentioned earlier that the Quakers call themselves friends. There's another denomination they call themselves brethren. But here's what's so interesting. They greet you, greet the friends by name. Why does he write that? Greet the friends by name. Because (coughs) friends, brethren, beloved, fellow believers, we're going to spend eternity together. (laughs) So might as well learn everybody's names. (laughs) Can you say amen? amen? If you have a hard time remembering names, get a piece of paper, write it down when you meet them, and keep it with you, and look at it once in a while. Abraham Lincoln won the presidency because his campaign manager, according to uh, the book uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People, his campaign manager was able to memorize the names of about 50,000 people across the country. And the way he would do it, he would write down their name and write something about them. So when he knew he was going to go meet them again, he could greet them by name. And it made such an impression on everybody that Abraham Lincoln was elected to the presidency after losing I don't know how many (laughs) votes and how many other elections he ran for. He finally gets elected because somebody could remember names for him. (laughs) Praise God. So we're going to greet the friends by name because we're going to spend eternity together. We're going to, and, and, and then you'll have time to remember everybody's name. <laughs> you won't just see them and, well, see you again in eternity. I mean, eternity is long. Can you say amen? <laughs> Praise God. Well, let's 
closing prayer this morning.